0: What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy Show for Week 13. We're the official mailbag show for Player Profiler. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, it was a great Thanksgiving for me. Um, I'm a fantasy content creator, but this is not my like 100% full-time job. I put out a lot of content. Maybe sometimes it might look full-time, but it is not. Um, so I also, um, work, you know, and, um, between that and fantasy football content during football season, I actually do not have a day off, um, (laughs) like period, like at all. And this was at Thanksgiving was actually the first day that I literally had nothing to do. Now granted I had to cook. I didn't have to, I, that was a choice, but, um, (laughs) but it was for my family and um, made me happy. So I had a nice, wonderful, um, relaxing morning. No work, no nothing to do, no live streams to do. Um, got to make a nice big breakfast for my kids and then cook them some some Thanksgiving food that uh, I hope they enjoyed. I think they enjoyed it. Um, but it was wonderful. It was a good Thanksgiving. And I hope that Thanksgiving was wonderful for all of you. And I'm very thankful for all of you tuning in, because um, I appreciate it. I've gotten some some good feedback from you guys. I love it when I, like, I've had people tag me on Twitter and had someone last week tag me on Twitter and tell me that I um, was a welcome addition to the Player Profiler family. And I appreciate that. It means a lot to me, because um, it's a grind. It's a grind. And anytime I get um, feedback like that, it just, it makes not just my day, um, the entire month. So I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And I hope that everything that I do, um, I hope you guys enjoy my content and enjoy my show. And I hope that I help you out. Um, Enough sentimental talk. Um, We'll dive into the hot topics of the week. We'll go ahead and um, we're going to kick things off with uh, our our namesake, um, our namesake, our thumbnail, if you're watching on YouTube, our thumbnail player of the week. We'll call him that. It is Dak Prescott. I want to talk about Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys because, um, as you guys know, no fantasy analyst is perfect. Um, If they claim to be perfect, they are lying to you. It's not physically possible. It's not physically possible to be 100% right in fantasy football. It's not even physically possible to be like 90% right in fantasy football. Um, Even that is way, way, way pushing the line. Um, I like to consider myself, you know, as close to perfect as possible. But um, that's in theory. That doesn't happen in reality. And I, I, you know, I have wrong takes sometimes. So as much as I'll sit there and, you know, love to not victory lap when something's right, but you know, to say like, Hey guys, you know, we got this correct. Uh, I'm 100% comfortable with saying, Hey, I got this wrong. And Dak Prescott is someone who I 100% got wrong. And I would like to issue a public apology to him from a fantasy football perspective. Um, I knew your game. I recognize your game. I knew your game. I just, it wasn't you. It was Mike McCarthy. Uh, it you were a 100% fade for me, Dak, in fantasy football. I was 100% um, no shares of Dak, recommended, do not draft, do not draft, red flags, red flags, <laughs> like everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. And all of that had to do with Mike McCarthy. No offense to Dak, you know, or doubting his talent or him as a player. Um, The problem was, is that Mike McCarthy – Obviously, the parting of Kellen Moore was very, very, not to say dramatic, but very, very direct. There was not a lot of mystery around it. Uh, Mike McCarthy publicly stated that his issue with Kellen Moore was that Kellen Moore was pushing too fast-paced of an offense. And it was affecting their team because... They were just pushing, you know, quick scores, quick scores, quick scores, points, 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 points. And it, it wasn't allowing their defense proper rest. And everything that he indicated, I mean, Mike McCarthy wasn't really making that up. Was not an issue? I don't really think that that was a major issue, but statistically, they ran a ridiculous amount of plays last season. So if he felt that was the issue, I mean, it did factually happen. So, everything that he said just really indicated that Dak was going to be a bust, that they were going to slow down the offense, that they were going to rely on the run, that there was still going to be pass volume, but they weren't going to be pushing aggressive scoring. They were going to try to extend drives, right, in order to give the defense a rest so that they could rely on their defense. So, unfortunately, the, the whole situation just read as a bust situation to me. And in all fairness to me, I was 100% correct through the first 5 weeks of the season. Um let's look at the splits here because that it like it's very very definitive. There is a direct split between the first 5 games and then weeks 6 through 12. When you look at the first 5 games of the year, um it was exactly what I predicted. Dak weeks 1 through 5 was QB 24. In average points per game, averaging 11.8 fantasy points per game. QB 24. It was dire. Um, CD Lamb was low vo- He had one high volume game. Outside of that, um, low volume. Obviously, we know what happened there in terms of CD finally speaking out in frustration. And, you know, Dak had five touchdowns, five touchdowns four interceptions and four perspective just so we understand how drastic that is. Kirk Cousins had 13 touchdowns weeks 1 through 5. 13 and four interceptions. 13. Josh Allen had Antua. Josh Allen and Tua both had 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. So obviously the interceptions We're not a major issue for Dak. It was just the touchdowns weren't there. The volume wasn't there. Everything was just so low volume. And then we have this break here in week six. From week six through week 12, Dak is QB one in average points per game, averaging 27.5. Next closest player is Jalen Hurts at 25. Dak has a total of eight. passing touchdowns and just two interceptions. And I can't even tell, well, I mean, it could. I could say, you know, and this player has this and this player has this, but quite frankly, it's not even close. It's not even close. Dak has dominated um, as a, we'll say, you know, not not a traditional pocket passer, but obviously when you're looking at touchdowns, a guy like Jalen Hurts and, you know, Lamar Jackson, they're adding um, volume on the ground as well. From a passing perspective, Dak is absolutely destroying the rest of the league. And, you know, it's it's crazy that there was that level of a flip. And again, it goes back to Mike McCarthy and why I was wrong on this take. Because I was 100% correct at the beginning of the season. What I underestimated here. Is that Mike McCarthy is not a man who, hmm, how do we say this? Mike McCarthy is not Arthur Smith. Mike McCarthy is not somebody who apparently um, could look at a situation and say, nope, this is my way, the highway, we're going down with the ship. Oh, no. Mike said, I'm not losing my job. Y'all don't think this is working? Nobody likes this? Okay, we can pivot. I can I can give you volume. I can give you passing touchdowns. I can I can design an offense. We can change this. I can fix this. Don't worry. If you got an issue with me, I'm not getting fired. I'm flipping the script and that is what he did. I underestimated Mike McCarthy's willingness to pivot and deviate from a plan that straight up wasn't working, and I'm impressed. Like I will give you that Mike McCarthy. and I'm a Packers fan, guys, you know that. Um and so sometimes when I look at Mike McCarthy, you know, uh, <laughs> I look at through him, I look at him and um, you know, I, I give him crap. I give him shit because, you know, Sometimes things were, things he did in Green Bay were not the most ideal. Is he the best coach in the world? No, I don't believe that. But I'm impressed with what he did here. And I will give him that. I cannot look at him in the rest of the season and, uh, you know, find any flaw with the way that he has coached this team. Highly impressive. Instead of acting like Arthur Smith and being arrogant and saying that it is his way or the highway and we're sticking to what we got. No, Mike McCarthy said... I can make this work. If you guys aren't happy, CD, if you're not feeling it, we will change this. And the result was absolute domination. It is so, so impressive. Production for CD lamb has been incredible since that point. Dak has been a monster. We've even got Brandon cooks coming back to life here. The offense as a whole, um, even with Tony Pollard getting back on track as well, just, I'm impressed. And you got to look at them and wonder what they can do through the remainder of the season if this offense keeps functioning as is. Are we looking at Dak for a potential MVP candidate if he keeps putting up this volume? Are people talking about it? I don't feel like they are. But if you look at the statistics and the flip and the split, it's clear he is operating at a level that no one else is. It's highly impressive. And if he can keep this up, I think you have to put him in the conversation. I think you have to. Um, So, yes, that is my, my public apology. I'm sorry, Dak. I was familiar with your game. I won't say I wasn't familiar with it. I was familiar with your game. I just did not think that Mike McCarthy really respected it. So kudos to Mike McCarthy. Shout out to Dak. Very, very apologetic and happy that he has been able to, been able to recover from the rough start to the season. But before we dive in and go on to our next topic, we are going to hear a word from our sponsor.
1: It has been two years since Josh Larky paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em Games, specifically Underdog pickums. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 you can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Oh, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota is going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson more than, Madison less than, but also Swift more than. Boom, boom, boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pick'ems and you use promo code underworld to get a 100% instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. You put in a hundred underdog matches that deposit up to a hundred bucks with promo code underworld. Go start picking.
0: All right, moving on to our next topic here. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, on the topic of Dak and his flip from the first portion of the season to the rest of the season, we're going to talk about something else that flipped and we'll talk about these quick and try and get through all of, um, all of this information because it actually was like a really packed week. Um, but I want to talk about flips in defenses, a couple of defensive trends <clears throat> that we have here from two teams, Detroit and Chicago. So Detroit is a um, defense that is very interesting because I feel like people kind of look at it and misread the Detroit defense Uh, because obviously at the end of last season, they made a drastic kind of like from the mid portion of last season through the end of last season. And then to start off the beginning portion of this season, they made drastic changes and drastic improvements in their game. It became stout, difficult against the run. And that has not changed on the ground. They are still a no-go against the run. Um, looking at statistics from running backs that are facing them, and granted, it's not like they have been playing um, absolutely fantastic running backs. Um, you know, we've got AJ Dillon that here that they faced in Week Twelve. Um, poor performance out of him. Uh, the Chicago backs. Uh, not granted, Don Foreman went out early in the game, but Chicago backs. Um <clears throat> did, you know, middling against them, nothing impressive at all, nothing to write home about. Um, even Josh Jacobs, 15 carries, 61 yards on them, did get a touchdown. Uh touchdowns come few and far in between. It's not super common. You're not going to see um at all multiple um touchdowns out of running backs on the ground against Chicago. I mean against Detroit. They're really just a no-go on the ground, but through the air, through the air, I need people to accept that they're an excellent, excellent defensive matchup. They're a high-volume matchup here. Um, Their offense, obviously, fantastic with Jared Goff throwing for volume, Tom and Ross St. Brown, Sam LaPorta coming through. Occasionally, Jamison Williams giving us a little something, you know, one of the best tandem running backs in the league in terms of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Their offense is so, so good that when they're pushing volume, when you have to, you know, keep up with them, or even if they're not, um, even if they're not putting up volume early, You feel like you have to attack aggressively through the air. And that's the way that teams are approaching them. They're not approaching with heavy volume on the ground. They're approaching with heavy volume through the air. We had Jordan Love. Um, His two best games, actually. Yeah, his two best games statistically uh, in terms of pass yardage. Have come against Detroit. He had an excellent game last week. He had a fine yardage game earlier in the season when they played. Um, who else lit them up? The Justin Herbert lit them up. Lamar Jackson lit them up. This is a team that is just incredibly, incredibly vulnerable through the air. So pay attention to that when you're looking at them and you're thinking of them as a, <clears throat> as a streaming option or you're trying to figure out if it's a no-go for them. Please understand the trend with them is that it's perfectly fine to play quarterbacks and receivers against them. And it's the running backs that you want to avoid. Now, looking at Chicago, that I didn't intend to pick two NFC North teams. That was um, <laughs> that was not intentional. Um, we could have brought up Denver, but I think I've talked about the defense flip with um, Denver as well. And I think we all accept that. But one that I don't know that people have um, accepted or really tuned into yet is, is Chicago. I don't know if people have really, really tuned into the changes that are happening over there with Chicago's defense. Um, I hated this Monday night matchup between Minnesota and Chicago. I knew it was going to be a defensive battle. There was just the offense just was not going to be good on either side, unfortunately. And that is because, you know, I think we've all come to accept that Minnesota's defense is, you know, obviously much better than we thought it was going to be heading into the season. But Chicago's defense has been very strong as of recent. And I think the trade that they made for Montez Sweat has been very valuable for their team. Now, grant, you know, the kudos to their organization, because these trades are really, really helping them out. And I think this Montez Sweat one was really, really key here. I have, I play in one, I'm not an IDP expert. I might've mentioned this in the show before, but I play in one IDP dynasty league and um, Montez Sweat was just absolutely lighting it up from an IDP perspective in Washington, just teeing off. Right. And Then the move over to Chicago, there were, I think, at least two, maybe three, but um, two for sure, just um, terrible games. Yeah, it might have been three. Terrible games from an IDP perspective. And I'm, you know, watching the Chicago games, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just frustrated. And I'm like, did they really just trade for this man and destroy his IDP value? Thank God he had a bounce-back game (laughs) Monday night. Um, But the effect that he's had on that defense is so so clear. Uh their pass rush is just better. No quarterback since the trade for Montes Sweat. The last <clears throat> the last game without Montes Sweat was the Chargers game, where obviously Justin Herbert had an excellent game against them. But since then, no quarterback has thrown over 236 passing yards against them. Uh, I just I think that you need to start approaching. Chicago and looking at them as a matchup that isn't really one that you want to attack, especially through the air. Um, they had their ups and downs earlier in the season, but they were allowing like strong yardage to Justin Herbert. I mentioned Sam Howell absolutely teed off on them, and uh, Patrick Mahomes had an excellent game against them. And since that trade, things are just looking different. And this defense as a whole—I don't even think it's matchups either. I mean, Jared Goff really kind of struggled against them as well. Interceptions. Very. Um, it was a very non-Jared Goff game. But I really think that the pass rush there is something that has been greatly affected by the addition of Montez Sweat. And we cannot look at Chicago as a good matchup anymore. The run. The run game is interesting um, because obviously there have been multiple running backs who, even since the trade, have had strong performances. The Detroit running backs had very, very strong game against them on the ground. But outside of that, their run defense has been pretty strong too. So kind of looking at um, looking at the Chicago defense, you need to start treating it differently moving forward. So just kind of think of that after the bye week here and how we're um, approaching them. Because this is a situation where if you can catch wind, Of these defensive trends. You can be ahead of the game. I spoke about this with um, Denver earlier. I did. I did. If you go back to, oh, I wish I could remember exactly what episode it was, but um, there is an episode where I spoke about the defensive trends in Denver and how we needed to start approaching them differently. And if you can monitor these situations, uh, then there's, uh, that's something that I do. Because um, a lot of I look at a lot of not just from a fantasy perspective, but also at player props and monitoring these defensive trends is how you get ahead of the game here. So these are two two things that you really have to pay attention to: Detroit and Chicago, the way the defenses are functioning. Because if you can get the head ahead of the game. In terms of how you're looking at them, you're miles ahead from a fantasy perspective. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Moving on to our next topic, Uh, (laughs) I want to talk about Tua. We'll do it quick because I don't want to rain on Tua's parade, unfortunately. This was another one where um, maybe a month back, um, we had a mailbag question uh, around Tua versus Justin Fields. Unfortunately, Justin Fields got injured. So um, that kind of blew that up in the air, but injury aside, um, uh, to his value, um, compared to Justin Fields, the assessment was 100% correct that Tua was not the guy that you wanted long-term in this situation. And Tua was a fine sell high candidate. Unfortunately, he's not anymore. Um, you might be past the trade deadline. And even if you aren't, um, you're, probably not in a position where anyone is looking at Tua and wanting to buy. Maybe from a dynasty perspective, they're thinking they can buy low. But um outside of that, uh we got to talk about what you can do about Tua because again, I warned you the problem here with Tua is that while he is a fine quarterback, this is like not a not a crap on Tua kind of situation. It is a fantasy perspective conversation that we got to have around Tua and that we've had around Tua. The problem is, is that he's a pocket passer, man. And when you get into these matchups with these difficult defenses, he does not have the ability to Jalen Hurts his way out of there. Um, He can't do it. He can't. So you get a very ugly floor that you can predict when it's going to happen. And because we can predict when it's going to happen, I hate to break it to you. You got two weeks to figure out what to do here. Um, we've got two weeks here. Um, and I don't have a schedule pulled up in front of me, but um, we've got two strong games here um, for Tua. Washington this week, and then I can't off the top of my head remember what the next one is. Um, maybe Tennessee. That might be it. Um, don't quote me on that. But we've got two... Good matchups for Tua. So you've got two weeks to figure it out. You can roll with him. Trust him this week. Um, Because I did get a question in terms of um, from someone who's frustrated with Tua and the production that he's had over the past couple of weeks. And is saying, do I I just bench him now? Not for this game. We're not benching him or anybody against Washington. It's a good matchup here. So we're rolling with Tua again. But unfortunately, once these two weeks are up and we get into the playoff schedule, He's not usable. I would not recommend him as a start. He will be outside of top 12 quarterback in my QB rankings. Maybe even a little bit further back. I can 100% guarantee that I will not recommend Tua as a start in the fantasy playoffs against the New York Jets. We just saw what happens um, when he plays the New York Jets. It was what? Nine, 10 fantasy points, unfortunately. Um then we have what's after that? We have Dallas after that. Do I want to start Tua against the Dallas defense? Absolutely not. Now, granite, we did see how like um, oh, and we'll kind of mention this later. Tip my hat a little bit on a topic that we have coming up. But um, we did see a player like Sam Howell have a good game against um against Dallas. But he didn't do it. Well, in the granite, he had volume through the air. But what saved him was a touchdown on the ground. Tua's not getting that. I don't think that we'll have a strong, usable game out of Tua against Dallas. And then you have Baltimore. Am I starting Tua against Baltimore's defense? No, absolutely not. The only thing you could hope for is that Baltimore goes on a hot streak. And at you know by week 17, maybe,
1: maybe they don't have
0: to start everybody because they've already locked up what they need to lock up. That's the only situation that you could get to. I can't see myself starting Tua in the fantasy playoffs. And to that extent, you need to start thinking ahead, looking ahead and figuring out who your quarterback is for the fantasy playoffs because it's not Tua. It's not Tua. So you, if your trade deadline hasn't passed, get something, figure it out, get you a volume quarterback, look at schedules, see if there's good streaming options there, get ahead of the game here because you don't want to be caught if you're a good lock for the fantasy playoffs. You don't want to be caught with Tua in the playoffs, unfortunately. Moving on to a happier topic, though. Sorry, Tua. Uh, again, it's just a fantasy perspective. I'm sorry. I like Tua. It's not a dislike here. Although the good thing to note, though, the good thing to note here is that it was good to see. Sorry, this the you'll notice this time pause on the Tua situation. Um, you'll notice uh, that for some reason, I cannot kick illness um, over the past like two months. I felt, I had zero cough yesterday, I was feeling good, no issues, woke up and of course it was like, oh man, great, back again. Um, I just don't, I'm not dealing with the weather change here good in Houston and germs from children, it's just not, it's not a good couple of months for me. (laughs) yeah, so sorry about the constant muting to coughing. My apologies to everyone. So if you're listening on the podcast and you're like, there's a momentary silence, it is just me coughing for a split second. Um, But back to Tua. Back to Tua. The good thing, the good takeaway here we had was I was worried about... I'm never worried about Tyreek, right? I'm never worried about Tyreek. I was worried about Waddle. I was worried about Waddle. And if he would... If he would be the... (sighs) How do I say this? I was worried about Waddle and if he would suffer in tandem with Tua Tukulua. Because his production is more closely tied to Tua. Tyreek doesn't need Tua to have a good game or high volume game in order to have a Tyreek type of day. He can have a strong performance regardless. Jalen Waddle's production, however... Much more closely tied to Tua. So this was good to see that even in a tough matchup against the Jets, he could still put up a strong performance. And, you know, hopefully that can continue for him and he'll be unaffected in the fantasy playoffs. So that is um, that is the good news there with uh, Tua. And unfortunate for him, but happy for Jalen Waddell. All right there. Moving on to our next topic, a happier topic here. It is Pat Friermuth. Um <laughs> Nine receptions, 11 targets, 120 yards. Is the Muth back? Is he back? And are we trusting him? And this week, he's got Arizona, a team that was lit up by Tyler Higby, of all people who, ooh, who, by the way, has been having just one of the most underwhelming fantasy seasons after we thought that he was going to step up. Um, Puka Nakua destroyed him (laughs) in his value, unfortunately. Um, But even before then, when Cooper Cup was out, I mean, just you just couldn't rely on Higby. Regardless, sidebar there on Higby. Um, Absolutely lit up Arizona. So when we're looking at Pat Frymouth, how are we trusting him moving forward? Because this was the first, you know, this was the the post Matt. Canada game it was a joyous occasion for all of us I know y'all were excited I know I was um and it's great I don't even have that many fantasy ties to the Pittsburgh offense other than uh, honestly other than Pat Friarman if not a ton of investment in none at running back just you know generally speaking but just from a from a football perspective I, it was just very frustrating Watching this offense with a fantastic head coach, uh, watching this team be held back so very clearly by Matt Canada and to have them enter their post Matt Canada era on a win on the offense looking much better. It wasn't a big, exciting game. Right. But the offense just looked and flowed better. Um, Even Najee Harris was looking better. Uh, Kenny Pickett had his best game of the season. And I know that's, you know, hey, it wasn't a fantastic game. But when we're looking at Kenny Pickett, we got to put it on a different scale, right? We playing <laughs> on the Kenny Pickett scale. It was like it was like a seven. So good for him. Um, yeah. So looking at this, um, I'm actually going to put us in a mailbag um, question here since it is on topic. Mailbag question from Dan Marcus. Rank these tight ends rest of season. Goddard, Njoku, Komet, and Friar Move. Now, obviously, we've got <clears throat> Dallas Goddard, who is trying to come back this supposedly this week. Um, Dallas Goddard is crazy, right? You know, broken forearm, we're thinking IR and whatnot. But if you remember, um they they I don't believe they put him on IR last year when he had his injury. And their reasoning was he just heals better. Do you do you guys remember that story? <laughs> that he just that he just heals quicker <laughs> than other people, so I'm kind of not shocked that we're <laughs> potentially getting Dallas Goddard back here. Um, so again, this is contingent on you know Dallas Goddard really coming back like this week or even next week. Um, but ranking these tight ends rest of season, oddly enough, you might be surprised to know this, but it is David and Joku that I have ranked the highest, um, and that is. Based off volume. I've been getting some some sage advice in or in terms of you know looking at fantasy players and volume. We know volume is king, but sometimes we overlook it. And volume is absolutely there with David and Joku. And technically it always has been. It's just that he when he's on the field, he performs well. We've just always had shaky situations in terms of him actually being on the field unfortunately. So <clears throat> looking at Dallas Goddard obviously. This is a is a situation where <clears throat> this is a situation where I think he slides in right after David and Joku because the way that we're approaching this is we're looking at this in terms of guys that have the most upside and the most volume at tight end. We want to look for volume with tight ends. So David and Joku, the clear, clear volume target hog here. And I don't know if that's going to change. Now we do have <clears throat> the wrinkle, obviously, of potential different quarterbacks rest of season. But regardless of that, I think that he is the most consistent option within that offense. Then we've got Dallas Goddard. Then I think that Pat Firemouth is the next one that I want. Um, Because we're hoping here, we're hoping that this is not just a matchup situation and a blip and an anomaly. We're hoping that they walk away from this game and say, our offense just was better and we need to continue down this path. And you look at the reliability that you have in Pat Friermuth. Again, we talked about it, nine receptions, 11 targets. That's a luxury when you've got Deontay Johnson out there uh, throwing fits and dropping passes playing sloppy and you know George Pickens with the history of the drops as well so yeah if they can look at this objectively and realize that Pat Fryermuth, you know maybe this offense should in terms of pass volume run more directly through him I could see him pushing his way up above Goddard but I need to see it one more so he's ranking third there for me and then Cole Komet um, is coming up Dead last in this one, unfortunately, and that one was a pretty easy decision for me because, again, he is the lowest volume option here. Touchdowns are what really carry. Now, granted, he's not a risky option, so by by no means am I saying that you can't start him. He's still a tight end one for me, but he is the lowest tight end one in this grouping and it's unfortunately because he is more touchdown dependent and high volume, the, you know, a nine target, 120 yard game for, uh, for, our, for Cole Komet. It's just more difficult to achieve for him. When you look at his statistics over the past month, it's not a ton of yardage, a ton of volume. So that's the only issue there. So that is how I rank them rest of season. <clears throat> David and Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth. And then Cole Komet with the possibility of Frymuth and Goddard being flipped, if we this week see the up to or the continued uptick in volume for him, cross our fingers. All right, moving on to our next topic, we're going to pit stop here because there were several mailbag questions here for quarterback streamers. I've got a ton, a ton of questions for streaming options in Week 13. Obviously, we've got <clears throat> six teams on a buy. For legitimate starters um, from a fantasy perspective on a bye week here. The struggle is real, and you could be looking for QB streamers this week in week 13. And um, we'll start off with a question from the FF chef, whose uh, comment <clears throat> here is my quote. My biggest dilemma is... Howell versus Miami or Russ at Houston. I feel like I'm overthinking it here. Maybe that's why I have a headache today. (laughs) Uh, Well, hopefully this answer will take your headache away because it is Sam Howell. Um, And I get why you're overthinking it. I get it Uh, because again, you know, Howell, his game was excellent for me. uh, I say excellent. It was perfectly fine from a fantasy perspective. I'm not walking away from that start and being disappointed with the output that he gave. I felt super comfortable with it. Um, The problem here is, is that it was saved by a rushing touchdown. But that's two weeks in a row that he's done that. And I don't think that it's fluky here. So we're talking about, you know, he had, you know, a good volume game. 28, yeah, 28 passes on 40 attempts or 28 completions on 44 attempts, 300-yard game against Dallas. That's fantastic. Um, obviously, the touchdowns weren't rolling through. He was saved by a rushing touchdown. But again, that's two weeks in a row where that's happened. <clears throat> and I don't think it's fluky. I think he's just one of those quarterbacks. And don't, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. But I want you to just kind of put this in perspective. When you think about Patrick Mahomes, the reason why Patrick Mahomes <clears throat> traditionally, <laughs> this year has been another story, but obviously traditionally, has been so reliable from a fantasy perspective without the rushing upside is that, no, granted, he does have rushing upside, but without that aggressive rushing upside is that when the Chiefs get into the red zone, he wants to be involved in every single play. He is the dominating force within the red zone. He wants the touchdowns to go through him and I think Sam Howell has that quality in him. I'm not saying that he's Patrick Mahomes. I'm saying conceptually, I think he has that same kind of quality where he gets in the red zone, he wants it to go through him. And it makes sense that that is happening here when you consider the fact that Eric enemy right? is now his offensive coordinator. So conceptually, it makes sense that BNME would would be operating with Howell that same way. We get in the red zone, it's going through our quarterback because that was the same thing that Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes. So it makes sense that that is transitioning over <clears throat> here to Washington. So I think he's just one of those quarterbacks that is going to dominate in the red zone. And I'm encouraged here that his floor has kind of settled in around 18 fantasy points. We've seen stability here. And while maybe from a real football perspective, we're not getting the stability, but from a fantasy football perspective, absolutely. Now, granted, Miami's defense is on the rise, so this is not a layup matchup by any means. But they are going to have to throw, because we talked about Tua, and this is, you know, You're starting him this week because it's an excellent matchup and he is going to light that Miami defense up. It's going to be, if it's not a massacre, good God, something goes wrong. Uh, (laughs) I think it's going to be a massacre. And um, Sam Howell is going to have to throw for volume to just try to keep up. They could keep it close. I do think that Washington, I think that he is capable of that, but this, you know, we talked about defensive trends earlier, bear in mind, Miami's defense Trend in on the rise because they're much healthier now. Jalen Ramsey is back. Their secondary is just functioning so much better. And um, just keep that in mind. But I'm still rolling with Howell because of the fact that I do think that touchdown equity comes with him. I do think the volume will be there. I don't hate Russ this week against um, Houston. <clears throat> Not a bad matchup for him. Again, this could be another game where we see kind of that back and forth. Um cooked between um, two teams that are obviously, you know, on the rise, interesting enough in the AFC. But Denver's defense is an incredibly tough matchup. I don't know that this is going to be a super high volume game. I don't think Russ is going to have to push aggressive volume through the air. And so while Russ is not a bad streaming option this week, Howell is definitely the preferred option here. Uh, Moving on to other streaming options. Again, this kind of encompasses like five streaming questions that I got this week. Water break there. Um, This kind of encompasses like, you know, multiple streaming options are multiple streaming questions from a mailbag. So people obviously are wondering who are we streaming for week 13? Very, very common question that I've gotten here. Um, And looking at the list of quarterbacks here that are around 50% rostered or a little bit lower <clears throat> or a tiny bit higher. And then some lower tier options. Um, obviously people have wised up to Drew love as the top option. And by the time um, obviously waivers are run, unless you've got, I've got a couple of leagues where waivers run on Thursday and I'm thankful for those. Cause it kind of gives me a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a break to not have to do everything out, everything on the same night. So I don't hate Thursday waiver runs. But um, Jordan Love has obviously, people have wised up that he is a legit weekly streaming option. You can't turn your nose up to Jordan Love. He is the top option if you have him. He's a fine streaming option this week. If you're in a shallow league and he's on waivers, uh, like, yeah, that's the top one for you to grab. Then surprisingly, people are gonna be a little bit shocked at this one of who my next streaming option would be. It's um it's Matt Stafford. And that might be a little surprising to people because um <clears throat> it might be a little bit surprising to people because when we're looking at Matt Stafford, uh this is not a good matchup here. But sometimes I feel like we over. I don't want to say overthink because I just was reading the question from <laughs> from at the FF chef um sometimes i <laughs> i'm gonna use it anyway sometimes i think we overthink trying to dance around quarterbacks in tough matchups and sometimes it is better just to go with the stable known option and Matt stafford is the stable known option surrounded by offensive talent um And this offense can get back to more of what it was because obviously we've got Kyron Williams back and we saw how Kyron Williams was um, in his return. Good Lord. Jesus Christ. I should have made him. Why did I not make Kyron Williams our namesake for the show? Um, Yeah, I should have done that. We didn't even talk about Kyron Williams. Um, Welcome back, Kyron Williams. Good Lord. Um, Too little too late for one of my fantasy teams, but Thank you for returning and just showcasing absolute dominance there. Um, Congrats to him and his return. But um, the offense, though, with Kyron Williams back, I think is going to be a lot more stable. They're going to be able to attack on the ground. They're going to be able to move the ball effectively. And when we're looking at Matt Stafford, I think he's a fine streaming option to get you potential low-end QB1 numbers, high-end QB2 numbers. And on a week like this with the buys, high end QB2 numbers, that's perfectly fine. We don't have to be, we don't have to be picky. Um moving on to the next streaming option. I don't hate Kenny Pickett against Arizona. Um obviously, yeah, you know, we just talked about Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford last week, um the multiple touchdown passes to uh to Tyler Higbee, we talked about that as well. So Arizona, it's a good matchup. Kenny Pickett again. We talked about him earlier. I guess I'm just talking about these people. We talked about Kenny Pickett earlier in, you know, his fine, you know, decent performance, his best performance of the year um, last week post-MAC Canada. I don't dislike Kenny Pickett in this matchup. Um, This is obviously a situation where their attack a heavy or the attack for Pittsburgh will be heavy on the ground against Arizona because that's the most logical thing to do. But that could also benefit Kenny Pickett if the ball moves well up and down the field. And he can have touchdown opportunities as well. And then another one, 1-1 super low in, low rostered option, less than 10% in fantasy leagues. Keep your eyes on Jake Browning. I didn't hate what I saw out of Jake Browning. Um, And obviously there were several passes that were very errant and saved by Jamar Chase. But that is the beauty. We can't, like, let's like, look at this and say, oh, I mean, he was saved, Jamar Chase. I'm saved by look, Jamar Chase. Look at this and say, ah, that's right. He throws to Jamar Chase. This is not Tommy DeVito coming in here and saying, here's my receiving core of Darius. No offense to Darius Slayton. But uh, here's my receiving core of Darius Slayton, you know, Wondell Robinson, Daniel Bellinger, and uh, Jalen Hyatt. No offense to those players. But let's be honest. Are you looking at the quarterback throwing to them? Or are you looking at the quarterback throwing to Jamar Chase? We're looking at the one throwing to Jamar Chase. He could also have T Higgins back. We're also talking about, you know, Tyler Boyd, one of the top wide receiver threes in the league. Um, so keep your eye on Jake Browning. Don't look at that performance and say, because I saw, you know, reports of like, oh, look at this mediocre performance from Jake Browning. Was it mediocre or was this a fine first NFL start? It was a fine first NFL start in my opinion, Didn't hate the volume, got a touchdown, only one interception. Tough matchup, divisional matchup. It could have been worse. I don't hate what I saw. And this week's matchup is against Jacksonville. Jacksonville has been very vulnerable against the pass. This could be a good week for him. I think he's a fine deep, deep league streaming option. Less than 10% rostered. And keep your eye on him, even if you're not using him. Maybe you get in there stash him because if he has a good game, he's got Indianapolis next week. And then we're talking about an excellent, excellent matchup for him as well. So just keep that in mind because at that point, he should also have T Higgins back as well. So we're talking about him to one of the best receiving cores in the league. Yeah, he's a potential option. So keep your eye on Jake Browning. <clears throat> I am running long on um Did I just wax poetically too long about that? I don't think I did. It's been a good show, guys. Let me let me know what you think. (laughs) Um, And we've been mixing in the mailbag questions um, as we're going along, but we'll kind of scoot along here um, and talk about uh, the New York Jets real quick here. Um, Tim Boyle. Yeah, I'll I'll do this super quick. Um, There's a video on my on my Twitter. You can find it on my Twitter um, and on my TikTok. At it's Tara time <clears throat> where I talk about the New York Jets. It, it It is honestly, let's just sum it up real quick. It is very irresponsible for them to put Tim Boyle on the field again. It, I just, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Why you would do that. Uh, you're trying to stick to your guns and prove something. I, you're not proving anything. He's a bad quarterback. And we knew this when I spoke about it on last week's episode here, there was zero Logical reason. This is not an experienced quarterback. This is not a like (laughs) like, like you you know. Not to say that like a guy like Colt McCoy is something like fantastic, but that's an experienced quarterback, right? That's an experienced quarterback who was a actual starter for a season, who has been a backup quarterback from year after year after year. That's an experienced quarterback. Carson Wentz is an experienced quarterback. Tim Boyle's not an experienced quarterback. I'm sorry. This is like the, the topic gets me heated because there's no logical reason this man should be starting in the NFL. It's irresponsible. It's illogical and it's frustrating. It's not the same thing. Like we have, at least we have, we have college evidence of Jake Browning and Tommy DeVito actually being um shout out the ACC Syracuse. <clears throat> um actually being strong, you know. Productive quarterbacks in you know productive quarterbacks in college. Tim Boyle was not even a productive quarterback in college. I, I'm I'm talking about this way longer than I intended. I'm sorry, but it's just it's it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is fantastic, but he's better than Tim Boyle. This is irresponsible. This is not right. Um, and with that said, fire up Atlanta's defense. <laughs> there's going to be a pick six. I feel so certain of it. Um, I mean, statistically, you are legitimately guaranteed to get at least an interception from Tim Boyle. Statistically, it's like, it's a lock. I I wonder what the props are on his interceptions. Uh, I would have to look that up um, after this because yeah um stream atlanta's defense i like atlanta's defense as a top 10 option i got questions about this as well Um, earlier today um who are we starting atlanta's defense over quite a few quite a few it's a top 10 defense for me this week um a solid streaming option go get them for sure Moving on to injury news. We're not going to dive deep into injury news because there's so many things that are up in the air and whatever I say right now will be irrelevant in the near future. The only thing that I'm going to touch on is Jonathan Taylor. Um, That is just the most frustrating situation. Let me tell you, um, I like to talk about my fantasy teams. I'm sure you guys like to talk about yours. Tag me and tell me about yours. Um, I enjoy including my fantasy teams in this. I am in a um, in a dynasty league, and I the, oh, it's the IDP dynasty league that I talked about earlier. Where um, for some strange reason, and I just can't figure out exactly why, I think my team was just kind of like it did. It never had the boom weeks, and so it was sitting down and like. 10th place in the league, but you know, the points I was scoring good points. I just couldn't catch a break. I couldn't get a win. I started off the season without Jonathan Taylor, um, had Damian Pierce, my, you know, Calvin Ridley, just so many frustrating things going on. And my team finally got back on track and has been on a hot streak, man, um, on fire, absolutely on fire and has risen up. Um, to sixth place. And so we're in the playoffs. And I'm feeling like, and I was like, walking away from this, you know, wake. And I'm like, oh, stretching out like, oh, yeah, we did it. Yay. Got it. You know, mission accomplished. Into the playoffs. I'm going to go on a hot streak. We're going to win and lost Jonathan Taylor. Oh my God. And there's nothing that you can do right now. If you lost Jonathan Taylor, you can't go out and get Zach Moss. He's over 50% rostered. Um, there's like, if, if you're in a shallow league, obviously you can go and do that, but he's not out there for the majority of us. Unfortunately it is what it is. So, um, you're in streaming options at running back. I tried to go through and look guys and find us some good options. The only one that I can really come to a conclusion on is Samaje Pirine might be the best direction to go there. Um, because his past volume has been very strong last week. It wasn't, um, super strong. He only had one reception, but he did get, you know, carries, got a goal line, touchdown as well. So um, he's had double-digit fantasy points over the past couple of weeks. So from a streaming option, from a streaming perspective, there's not a ton out there that we can really turn to. But Samaje Perine might be someone that you might want to look at because the receiving volume and the vo- it, it's been there for the past couple of weeks, and he's seems to have... <clears throat> unseated Jaleel McLaughlin for that backup role as things were kind of shaky there for a while, but he seems to have got his production steadily back on track. All right, guys, um, we're going to do a couple mailbag, quite a couple more mail, uh, more than a couple, a few more mailbag questions to close out the show. As a reminder, make sure that you are Subscribe to Player Profiler um, and not just um, if you're looking on the podcast version. Obviously, podcast is, well, you know, fantastic. But also make sure you're checking out the YouTube channel because there are a ridiculous amount of live shows. Tons of questions. start are start set shows as well um, throughout the weekend, uh, right before the uh, Sunday or right before the 1 p.m. games as well. So just make sure that you're, you know following Player Profiler on YouTube so that you can uh, stay up to date on all of those shows because they're coming out every single week, so you don't want to miss out on any of them. All right, closing out with some more mailbag questions. <clears throat> From Jason Quinn, 1992. Waiver, start, sit, question. <laughs> Do you like Cleveland's defense rest of season? Schedule is tougher. Upcoming, have been writing them this week, right now. Um, Jacksonville defense versus Kansas City is available, <clears throat> as well as the LA Rams versus Cleveland, Atlanta versus New York Jets, and Houston versus Denver um, <clears throat> as good rest of season as well. So I could have included this one earlier when we talked about the Jets uh when I went on my rant. I thought about that, but I wanted to pull it off as an individual question. Um so because this is more about Cleveland's defense and the fact that I am not tied to Cleveland's defense rest of season. So I think what we have to consider here is a lot more is being asked of Cleveland's defense over the past couple of weeks. It's been shakier and a lot more is being asked of their defense because of their quarterback situation and rest of season. We don't know what we're looking at, unfortunately We've got DTR, P.J. Walker, Joe Flacco. We don't know truly what we're looking at and how this offense is going to function. And if we don't know how this offense is going to function, we cannot rely on this defense. So I am not super tied to Cleveland's defense rest of season, unfortunately. Because while they've obviously given us big boom games in the past, I don't know how many of them will be getting them in the future. Um, And honestly, I don't hate them. This week, but the problem here, and I talked about it briefly when we, you know, mentioned Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams can light them up. Um, we've seen a running back. It was Jonathan Taylor. We've seen a running back absolutely light up this uh, this Cleveland defense, and the result was is that it ended up being a high volume game. And I kind of feel like that could potentially happen here again. Unfortunately, so. Just be careful. And then we're talking about three straight weeks for the Cleveland defense with these hot streak quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, hot streak quarterback, on a hot streak right now. Do I want to start? I don't know if I want to start the Cleveland defense. With Trevor Lawrence on a hot streak. Calvin Ridley on a hot streak. Like, I I don't know. I'm not super comfortable with it. Justin Fields, hot streak quarterback, can go off. And then CJ Stroud, not a hot streak quarterback, just straight up. You know, uh, does the whole season qualify as a hot streak? No, just straight up a great quarterback. So rest of season, I'm not really feeling Cleveland's defense that much. All of that to get to week 17 with Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson. That's a lot to hold on to. Um, The defense I prefer this week is the Atlanta defense. We talked about it with the Jets. Um, So, yeah, I'm comfortable with dropping Denver's or Cleveland's defense this week. Um, for any of the options, honestly, that you listed. My preference is Atlanta, but any of them really, just because I am not super tied to the potential volatility of their defense with the volatility of their offense moving forward. Um, Good question here from Adamo. Um, let me start. Question here from Adamo116. Have to replace DJ Moore and Diggs. Half PPR. Redraft team. Mm, yeah, I've got <laughs> similar issue. Um, but you've got DeMario Douglas, Christian Watson, and Cortland Sutton to pick from. So Cortland Sutton here versus Houston is the lock. I know last week's game was disappointing for him. I can kind of excuse that there. Um, not the ideal matchup, unfortunately. But... I like him versus Houston. When we're looking at this game, um, I won't say shootout potential here, obviously, because we talked about it earlier in the defensive battle that this could be with Denver's defense stepping up. But I do think that Sutton and Russ can exploit this Houston defense and get back on track in terms of that nice little touchdown streak that he was on he, there's no, there's no other threat to him in that offense. When you're looking at Cortland Sutton, sometimes we push him further back in the rankings. And I feel like we have to move him up and trust him a little bit more because he has the volume. He has the targets. Jury duty, not, you know, lack of productive or lack of targets, lack of production, lack of touchdowns, lack of everything, not putting up, not going to change. Unfortunately, Sutton is the one that we like here. And then between Christian Watson and DeMario Douglas, it's all about what you need here. DeMario Douglas is the safe floor option. I love the matchup for him this week against the LA Chargers. And I think that he is once again, you know, in a lock for double-digit fantasy points. So what I liked and what I loved um, seeing out of him this past week was I liked the fact that <clears throat> De- uh, Devontae Parker came back and yet Douglas was still the wide receiver one. So we can feel comfortable with that. His floor is safe here. But if you need the ceiling play, I would go for Christian Watson. Love is on a hot streak. Um, it's a risky play, though. So bear in mind, if you need a safe option, it's Douglas for sure. But the ceiling there is definitely with Watson. It's just a risky play versus Kansas City in particular because of the defensive matchup. And we're going to close things out with a couple questions from Revan JJ. Drop Ferguson for Njoku or Pat Frymuth, PPR, then start to... Okay, let's break it up. We'll start with that one. So drop Ferguson for Njoku or Frymuth and PPR. Um, Yeah, yeah, I would. (laughs) Um, Maybe Ferguson's role isn't as consistent as we thought it was. We've got two straight weeks of less than 10 fantasy points and not just below, like dramatically below, unfortunately, like six and then lower than that. And that was prior or after three strong games. I just kind of feel like maybe there's a pattern here with, um, Jake Ferguson and that he's just more streaky than he would like him to be. Unfortunately. And especially if we have Brandon cooks coming on stronger, more consistently, it really does limit the upside for Ferguson and reliability. I prefer both Injoku and Pat Fryermuth. um, to Jake Ferguson and Joku for sure. That one's not a question for sure. I would prefer to have David and Joku to um, Jake Ferguson rest of season and this week as well. And then Firemuth again. We talked about him earlier um, in the show. He is riskier because I want to see one more week just to kind of verify. But I do am hoping that this production sticks from them because the offense flowed better. So Firemuth is riskier. But David and Joku would be the preferred option. Second part of the question: Start Deon, or start Puka or Deontay Johnson based off the matchup. Start Puka. Um, you know, it's and it's pretty simple for me. Um, I'm worried that we might be on a continued downward trend for Deontay Johnson. I'm worried he might be spiraling. He just kind of seems like he's in his head right now. He's doing, you know, granted, you know, drops have been an issue with him in the past. And I've never faulted him for that. That's never made me like just back off of him. But as a whole, there's some things that are starting to worry me. And again, as we just talked about with Pat Fryermouth, I kind of feel like Pittsburgh, logically, now that. You know we've moved away from Matt Canada and have more control over this offense is logically looking at this and seeing that Pat Friermuth is just the steadiest option in there. And Deontay could unfortunately just, he has to have extreme volume in the way that he operates because the touchdowns aren't there. So if he doesn't have extreme volume, unfortunately he's unreliable. So it's Puka that we want to go with even though the matchup, I know, you know, based off matchup, you're probably looking at this and saying that we're going with Deontay, but I would still prefer to have Puka, even though the matchup is not ideal. And then the last question, Mostert, White, Kyron, or switch one out for Ramondre or Monty. As of right now, keep it as is. I like it as is. I could flip Mostert out for Ramondre if I'm feeling fancy and... HN is back and they're saying we got HN back and he's on a full workload this week, but that would be the only situation where I would do that. Um, But even then, it's just such a strong matchup there for Mostert. I like the way that you have it is as is with Mostert, White and Kyron Williams. All right. That wraps things up for our show. Um, We went longer than expected this week, but we had really good questions and really good topics. So appreciate you all um, for submitting your questions. Um, Every week um, we get fire. We get absolute fire in terms of the content or the questions that people submit. So appreciate that so much. Um, And again, if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, tag me. Um, And just, you know, again, full disclosure, you're tagging me throughout the week. That is the easier way to get me. I'm generally a no-go on Sundays. That is not the best time to tag me because I'm doing multiple start sit shows all Sunday morning. You guys know the drill. Um, So tag me if you've got any questions tonight or tomorrow or Friday, even Saturday, um, and I will answer them. Tag me if I don't get to them as well. Just kind of like knock on my door like, hey, Tara. And I'll get there. Um, if you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe; it would be greatly appreciated. And if you are listening to this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, drop me a comment below, let me know what you think. If you have any questions, um, any Start Set question as well, answer that, or um, I'll go back and check the chat as well to answer them. And make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler as well. And that wraps things up. I appreciate you all joining in. Good luck with your fantasy lineups this week. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We'll talk to you again next week.